Okay, everyone, welcome back to the Dana Buckler Show. My name is Dana, and I am pleased to welcome back my friend all the way from the Netherlands, Vincent Pranger. Vincent, welcome back. How are you? Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes, I'm doing uh, fine. Uh, everything is all right. Family is doing good. And I'm really looking forward to uh, to this podcast, this episode. And I'm very nice to uh, talk to you again. Yes, yes. We had, uh, yeah. in fact, in <laughs> fact, okay, let me just start from the beginning. And I had such a wonderful time being a guest on your podcast, Inglorious Rankers. And, and uh, we did a wonderful show talking about my favorite actor and just had a great conversation. But if someone's listening to this show for the first time and they're they're being introduced to you for the first time, could you just talk a little bit about what your podcast is about? Yes, uh, uh, the podcast is called Inglorious Rankers, based upon the Inglorious Bastards, of course. Uh, I was starting with this podcast with a, a, a colleague, a, a movie blogger, but he is just working on the background. Uh, and sometimes he is joining me on a, on an episode. But we both were very fond of the are very fond of the movies of Quentin Tarantino, and this just came up. So that's uh, why we call Inglorious Rankers and Rankers because we are ranking uh, movies, and it's very diverse. So we can rank uh, about an actor, about uh, a franchise, or a composer, or movie songs everything is possible it's a very wide range of uh, possibilities and it's very nice to do and um uh, you inspired me to start uh, the podcast because i was give, going through a very difficult time in my life i was burned out and i was just listening to podcasts and one day i just discovered your podcast and i was hooked and uh that inspired me to do something that really gives uh was giving me some pleasure just just have fun and uh do the things that i want to do and what i love is movies and it's all of my life since i was a little child and this was just like a great opportunity and i just started <laughs> and now we're sitting here talking to each other we uh, i reached out to you we had a conversation and you i asked you to join me uh, uh on the glorious rankers and uh Thank God you said yes. <laughs> I was very grateful uh, for that. And we had a great conversation. And, you know, it's it's really nice to just talk with people who love movies and just have a great conversation. And uh, somehow <laughs> people like it. And uh, our a range of listeners is growing and growing. And it's just a passion-driven project. We don't earn any money with it. It's just pure fun. And it's it's great to do. So if... Anyone who is listening and who wants to join and to become a Inglorious Ranker, please uh, contact us via Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, and then um, maybe we can uh, record sometime. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, yeah. real two things real quick. Number one, uh, for those listening in this episode show notes, I'll have links to Inglorious Rankers, to the Instagram, to, to everything you can, everything you need to, to reach out to Vincent. And uh, number two... My good friend, Brandon, who is also co-host on a show I do called Hollywood Unfiltered. He is a, a big fan of your show now. and uh, <laughs> I, I heard. Yes. And uh, I know he's listening. He told me he was so excited to listen to this episode. So, Brandon, I just want to say thanks again for everything. And uh, we're looking forward to this episode as well. And, and, and Vincent, I've, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Um, it's incredibly humbling to know that I... Uh, 
that I, I in some small way helped you uh, or inspired you to do a podcast. That means everything to yeah. me. And so I appreciate that. And thank you. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. It's, it's a, it, yeah, it's so beautiful that you're on the other side of the world, practically, and then you can inspire someone else who just walks in a park in Holland listening to your podcast and get this is inspirational. It, 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 it gets us inspired. It gets this idea. <laughs> it was me and just, it's it's such a beautiful thing. We are so far apart, but so close also. And yeah. it's, it's really beautiful. And uh, it results in this episode for instance yes which is one which in the almost nine year history of of my podcast i very rarely have uh had an opportunity to talk about some of the movies we're going to talk about tonight Um, yes one one more quick plug uh for for vincent is that uh uh, again, if you're if you're just new to this podcast, go back a few episodes and look for the uh, episode entitled Movies We Grew Up With, Volume 1. And that was uh, Vincent joining me on the podcast to talk about the films that uh, were we're right in the same age range. So it was it was pretty fun to, to compare, you know, our 10, 10, 10 movies. And uh, we did have a lot of crossover. And uh, that <laughs> yes, was very exciting. That was very exciting. Yes, we did. So, yeah. yeah. If you're listening to this episode, you already know what the subject matter is. We are going to be diving into our 10 favorite canon films. Now, if you're not familiar with canon films, let me start by saying there's an amazing documentary called Electric Boogaloo that I strongly recommend that you check out. And it it may or may not be available on YouTube right now. I'm not going to say anything more than that. But um, (laughs) canon films is... Their business model, at least for the majority of their time, uh, was producing movies very cheaply and selling those movies around the world. I mean, it was just a, uh, can you talk a little bit about just the, the model that they use? Because I, I'd like to make the case that that's yeah. ha- the model that they use to make money and to produce mm-hmm. these movies is being implemented now in 2022. Uh, if you look at a lot of these direct-to-video or, or direct-to-streaming uh, movies. So talk just a little bit about the model that they use. Yeah, well, they uh, they want to make a lot of movies for, how do you say it? Uh, how do you say it? At, at le- at, uh, I'm searching for the words right now, That's Dana. Okay. That's okay. Uh, yeah, I'm, to, I'm from Holland. Yeah. You know, yeah. I have to sometimes <laughs> have to search for words. Uh, uh, no money. A yes. lot of movies. That's that's uh, uh, low budget. Uh, they make very low, low budget, budget yeah, very low, very budget, low budget, movies. budget movies. And uh, in a way, uh, as many as possible, and with many great actors. And what they did, there, were, there are two. There are, uh, were there brothers. Uh, no, they're not brothers. Menachem Golan and Gorob, uh, Yoram Globus. Yes. They're from Israel. Israel, yeah. Yeah, and they uh, were making movies there, and they transferred it to America just to make a lot of movies with great actors, with uh, no money, and have big success. And that's what they what they did. And what sometimes what they did is just they announced a movie <laughs> with a great actor, and even the actor didn't know that he was in the yes. movie yet. <laughs> so, but they just announced it. They make big commercials. Like they were for once they were at the Cannes Film Festival and they presented like, like a wide range of movies that were supposed to be made, but some of them were never made. But they 
just get sponsors or get money just to produce these movies. And it was their success, but also in the end, their downfall. But they made some incredibly fun movies. And in a way, I have to say, uh, I miss these kinds of movies now because it's uh, you look at the Marvel movies. I, I like the Marvel movies. And I know you have a little... A little bit. You like them. You like them. But there's something that you don't like about them. And I agree with you because it's 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 all about big character developments. And it's also it, it's nice. It's also big, but it's also very very fun to just watch a movie from 90 minutes with a, a really incredibly uh, insane bad guy, a great hero. And just go from the beginning to the end and just have fun with it. Absolutely. And that's what that's what they made. They did. They did. Yeah. And and to yeah. t- and to touch on something you said, the uh, you know they they would go to to the Cannes Film Festival or or other big international film festivals, and the, you know you know like like with the Cannes Film Festival, you've got your big premieres, like your huge movies, like uh, the new Top Gun movie is going to premiere at Cannes this year, you know. But that's just like one tiny part of Cannes. It's really wheeling and dealing it's business deals and they would go in there and through like what what we call handshake deals they would say oh we've got charles bronson and he's going to be in this movie and they'd say well is he going to do this in the movie yes absolutely he's going to do this and it's going to have this person (laughs) and they would there's you know 70 territories around the world and they would sell the rights to a movie before it was like you said before it was even made they didn't even have a script sometimes they would just have a poster that they would make and they would sell it and they would make these movies for you know oftentimes a million dollars and you would sell the rights and the rights when when the dust settled they had made three or four million dollars just in selling the international film rights to the movies and that model worked for years but then when you got into 1986, 1987, you know, then they want it to be really big players. And that's when they abandoned their the model that they were using and decided to go with big budget movies, you know, giving Sylvester Stallone 12 million dollars for over the top, you know, spending, you know, 20 million dollars on a movie that that went against everything. Masters of the Universe. I mean, we'll talk about all these movies, I'm sure, at some yes. point. But yeah. they they were their own worst enemy, and if they had stuck to the model that they were using, I think we'd be talking about Canon films into the 90s, 2000s, maybe even today. But I will say this. There are companies out there now that do the same thing that Canon films did. All you have to do is go on Amazon or iTunes or anywhere, and you're going to see... 25 Bruce Willis movies, 16 yeah, Nick Cage sure. movies, uh, so, so many, you know, just, I mean, everyone's doing them now. And so, you know, that's that's kind of what they're doing now. But I, I will say, Canon Films did it right. And let me tell you one more thing I like, because, you know, you mentioned Marvel movies. When I watch a Marvel movie, okay, and I've said this before, and, and if you listen to my most recent episode of, uh, I think, The Batman, or maybe it was an episode of Hollywood Unfiltered, I make the case that a Marvel film is enjoyable, that for the most part, they're, 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 they're fine what they, for what they are. Mm-hmm. But 
nothing is believable in a Marvel movie because everything is done on a computer. But when I'm watching a canon film, I rest assured, rest assured, that is real stunt work they're doing. Those are (laughs) real cars exploding. Those are real houses exploding. Those are real, you know, stuntmen falling off of whatever. Like, there's something to be said for a movie that does it in camera, that does the Mm -hmm. stunts for real. And canon films, and especially, well, in fact, almost every movie that I'm going to talk about today does that for real. So I yeah, have a, I yeah. have a real lo- love for Canon films for what they did because because even though it's not real in some cases they're really doing what you're seeing on screen and that means, yeah, that that means a lot to me. Yeah, and of, uh, another thing about it is oh, I saw a little interview with uh, Joram uh, Globus on YouTube and he is really old living in Italy uh, and then, uh, is it Italy or is it back in Israel? I don't know. But uh, he was talking about doing another big blockbuster movie. He said, yeah, I'm going to uh, think about Bruce Willis. You know, he's s- still thinking about still it. Still the salesman. It's, he's really old. It's it's incredible. I hope he, he managed it. He managed it. because. And then talk about Nick Cage, uh, about the movies he is doing right now. He did a great movie, Big. Yes, it's it's really good. It's it's incredible, uh, but the movie Willy's Wonderland. It could be a, it could be a, a canon movie. I love that movie. I had yeah, so much too. fun with that movie. Yes, it's great. <laughs> he doesn't say a word. No, no, no. That's no. The thing. not one <laughs> word. The entire movie. No. Yeah. Uh, it's great. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I like about one little thing about Willy's Wonderland? Is you know he's. He's stuck in this town because his car breaks down and <laughs> and I'm just like, well, wh- how is he going? What's I mean, what are you talking about in 2022? You can't call somebody. The fact of the matter is that he has money on a credit yeah. card, but the guy doesn't take cash. Anyway, I don't want to say anything more than that, but that's, <laughs> yeah. I'm just yeah. like, OK, well, that's clever how you kept him in the town there. So yeah. um, and one thing more about the Canon movies. We grew up in the 80s. Yes. Uh, uh, when I was like, maybe I was. 11 or 12, we get these birthday parties and we rented videos, video cassettes in the the video store. And we just, most of them were canon movies. And and the brothers had, no, I say always, I say always brothers, but they aren't brothers. They had cinemas in Holland also. They owned movie theaters. Wow. The canon movie theaters. Uh, They had a magazine here in Holland, the preview magazine. I never forget it. It's, that's it's, that's yeah. so awesome. Yeah. That is so yeah. awesome. So yeah. what we're going to do is I'm going to kind of take a page out of your book on how you do the ranking system on Inglorious Rankers. So we, yeah. we, we each wrote down, we have a list of our, our 10 favorite canon films. I have no doubt in my mind that at least a few of the movies are going to be on both of our lists. Now we, we have not talked about this. I do not know what's on Vincent's list. He doesn't know what's on mine, but if I'm going to let Vincent go first. And if he says, you know, a movie, I will acknowledge if it's on my list. And so when it comes time for me to talk about it, I'll wait until we get to my, to where, to where it is on my list. So yes. All right. Perfect. Okay. Okay. So, that's it. Let's get started. Uh, Vincent, Let's we're looking at our, our 10 
our 10 favorite canon films. Yes, number 10 on my list is a Dutch movie because they also uh, produced Dutch movies. And this is a very special one because it won the Oscar for Best Foreign Picture in 1986. Oh, It's called The Assault, The Aanslag. That's the Dutch title from Dutch director Fons Rademakers. And um, they, they produced this movie. It's a canon distributed and produced movie, The Assault from 1986. Uh, it's a World War II movie. And uh, it's not my favorite one, but it's one of the best they <laughs> distributed and they produced. And it's about a boy who witnesses uh, assassination right at the end of the Second World War. Because at some places in Holland, there was already peace. But in some places, there just wasn't yet. Because the Americans and the Canadians were going through the country, but they weren't just there yet at that point uh, in the country. And the Nazis were all uh, were, were still present and were still doing horrible things. And there was an assassination in front of the house of this little boy. And his brother is running outside and he, the corpse is laying in front of their house. And he is, the brother of this young boy is grabbing the, the body and is pulling it towards the neighbors because they don't want to see that, that the Nazis will see that this man is shot in front of their house because it was a Nazi collaborator. But it was a bit, little bit too late. So the Nazis entered the house of the, the family. The parents were uh, are, are torn out of the house. The brother is killed and the young boy is taken away. He survived. But then you transfer to uh, like uh, 20 years later in time. And he's still struggling with that trauma. And he is trying to find out what exactly happened uh, at that point. Because he needs some uh, peace and rest in his soul, because he's really struggling with it. He lost everything on that night. It's a very intense story. It's a book uh, from one of my favorite Dutch writer, Harry Mulish. And Harry Mulish, is a, is, he was like a, a, a really extravagant writer with a, a, but sometimes when I read his books, I can get teared up because of a sentence he, he, he wrote because it's so beautifully written. Like, he's like, how is this possible? How can someone write a sentence like that and tell so much? And um, so, and the movie is a very good adaptation from the book. It's really, really good. So I can uh, uh, say to all the listeners, please check out The Assault. It's really worth your time. It's, uh, it's about a, a man who was struggling with a World War II trauma and getting his answers. But the most beautiful thing is that sometimes you, you cannot get all the answers. Some things are left unsaid. That's life. And it's, it's a very touching movie. And at that point, I remember it in 1987 that... It was big news in Holland because this Dutch director won the Oscar for Best Foreign Movie in uh, that year. So this is my number 10. 
The Assault, 1986. Well, uh, huh. First of all, I think I'm embarrassed to tell you what my number 10 is after listening to <laughs> how eloquently you set up The Assault, which, uh, to I'll be wait fair... wait for my number nine. <laughs> to, to be fair, to be fair... Sounds yeah. like an amazing movie that I need to seek out as quickly as possible. I'll admit, Vincent, uh, I I had not heard of this movie. Yeah. I I have not. I just while you were while you were just kind of talking about it, I looked it up. Uh, I brought it up on Google, and mm-hmm. that movie is uh, yeah. That's see. That's why I'm glad we have these conversations because. I am going to seek out and try to watch that film later tonight when we are done recording. Yeah, um, please do. That's that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Yeah, you will not be disappointed. Um, I almost don't want to. I don't want to go next. Uh, maybe I should just have you do your number nine. <laughs> <laughs> now my number nine is is completely different. Okay, well, this one. So please well, do go ahead. <laughs> now, when putting my list together, okay. <laughs> I had to take in a number of factors. Much like you, I grew up in the 1980s. So uh, it's safe to say that every one of my movies that I'm selecting will be from the canon library of movies that came out in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. Same here. Uh, some of these movies I have revisited over the years. Some I had a very fond childhood memory of. And for number 10 on my list, it is a movie that came out in 1984. It's very interesting because the sequel to the movie also came out in 1984. It was such a hit that they turned around and in six months had a sequel out. Um, It is, I believe, one of, if not the highest grossing canon film in the United States. And having two sisters that were four and six years older than me who were very much into dancing. This was a movie that was rented and I've watched. I watched numerous times as a child. Now, interestingly, in March of 2020, when the, my job shut down and I was found myself alone for six weeks at my house because the, you know, the whole world had shut down. I had a lot of time on my hands. So I decided to go through a lot of those childhood memory movies. And the film that I'm about to talk about uh, was number one on that list. And I recognize exactly what this movie is, but I think it's just the greatest. And of course, I am talking about Breakin', which <laughs> I knew you know, I know you know I was going with that one. That This movie, which is... Ooh, I'm not even sure how to explain it. Um, let's see. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's it's kind of a um, cabaret meets flash dance meets meets. Uh, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. It's so much fun. It is. That's, here's the bottom line. It's so much fun. It was made for a million dollars. It took in. Let me just see here, just for a moment here. By my, it took in close to forty million dollars, Vincent. This movie was a phenomenon in the United States. It has great dancing, terrible acting, and I just. <laughs> and if you look very closely, uh, a cameo by Jean Claude Van Damme. Dancing oh, really? the, the first time that Kelly meets Turbo and Ozo when they're dancing on Venice Beach. If you look, there is uh, Jean Claude Van Damme dancing 
in the crowd wearing that black uh, skin-tight tank top that he's known for wearing. It's the best. So uh, the story is basically uh, Kelly is a jazz dancer, and she's trying to qualify for this big show, and she has an agent, and, you know, she basically, she she gets introduced to, to dancers that are, you know, street dancers, and it's just it's just so much fun and has so much energy and and admittedly amazing breakdancing created the breakdancing fad in the United States. One that I might add is still happening to this day. Now I mentioned that they, the movie, I mean, I think it even took Golan and Globus by surprise with how much money this movie made. And when you watch that documentary, you, you quickly understand <laughs> Uh, their motivation to get a sequel out as quick as possible. In some cases, Vincent, in the United States, you could go to a movie theater in 1984 and watch Breakin' and Breakin' 2, The Electric Boogaloo, the same day. Now, Breakin' 2, The Electric Boogaloo is, I, uh, to me, it's, it's not as good as the first one. Even though it has a bigger budget, it has bigger dance numbers, uh, it loses some of its soul that the first one had. Ooh. So uh, I will say that if you're a completionist and you feel like you have to watch both of them, go ahead. But for me, Breaking uh, is just a, just a fun time. And I, f- I found myself in 2020 with a big smile on my sa- face watching this movie. So uh, did Breaking make your list? No, it didn't. Okay. It didn't. I watched it okay. for the first time. Okay. I liked it. Okay. But, you know, it... it, uh, uh, it didn't resonate as much with me than with you because I understand because it's your childhood yeah. memory because that's uh, uh, but it's fun it's it's really fun. Did you yeah. watch Breaking Two? No, not yet. It's, not yet. I have to okay. do that. It's, I have to do that. It's, just be prepared. There's yeah. There's uh, a scene in Breaking Two where where Turbo, Ozone, and Kelly, they're very tight-knit crew now, um, where they run into a a street gang, and it looks like they're going to fight, but instead they have a dance-off. And it's, the it's you know what? I'll send you that clip on YouTube. It's That's worth it right there, just to see it. It's so it's so great. But, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Nice. That is awesome. But, yeah. Uh, you told me there was a double feature, like uh, part one and two. Yes. Is yes. there? Is it still there in in the, in the, in America that you can can watch double features? Well, no. What I meant by that, it wasn't. It was that. It was that. Some movie theaters were still showing the original Breakin' ah, when Breakin' right. yeah, Two yeah, came yeah, yeah. out. So oh, you could okay, leave okay. Breakin' yeah. and then buy a ticket and see the sequel the same day. Which oh, uh, to this awesome. day, I don't think that's ever happened before. No. But I mean, the quickest I've seen a movie turn around would be like the Nightmare on Elm Street movies where mm-hmm. Bob Shea would, I mean, it was nine months from the release of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4 to the yeah. release of Nightmare on Elm Street Part 5. They had yeah, Part yeah, yeah. 5 in pre-production before part four even came out. So that's the quickest yeah. I've ever seen a turnaround, but leave it to Canon films to, to do it in six months. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Nice. It has, it, has, it has a great soundtrack. Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I'm bringing that down. Cool. All right. So, yes. All right. So your, that's my number nine. That's my number 10. Excuse me. Yes. Your number nine. 
my number nine. Yeah, I <laughs> God, I watched this movie with uh, with my son a couple of weeks ago, and we just laughed so loud with this movie and just stopped it, rewind it, watch the scene again, just to what did we just see? We have to watch this again. Oh my God, it's really happening. It's it's the movie with the strongest man on earth, <laughs> Lou Ferrigno in Hercules yeah, okay. from 1983. This movie is insane. It's insane. It's incredible. It's so much fun, but it's so stupid. <laughs> it's the, the beginning. It's all like uh, they they uh, show you like sort of the beginning of the universe. <laughs> And it's it goes on and on for ten minutes, and then there was this star, and it exploded, and then this star appeared, and this goes on and on and on, and then yeah, it's it's incredible. And but this Lou Ferrigno who, who plays Hercules, it's 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 the, it's the story of, about Hercules, who was sent from the gods as a to be uh, the strongest man on earth and to protect uh, the humans. That's basically the story. But Lou Ferrigno, it's like every scene he is in, like when he has dialogue with someone, he just looks at the other person. <laughs> and before he says something, my son goes, I think he's going to say this, huh? Like, like he doesn't know what to say. Just, <laughs> we laughed so loud. and But <laughs> there's so much fun to be seen in this movie, to be seen in this movie. The special effects are they are fun, but they're really bad. But it's it's so nice to see uh, all the effort that was put into this movie. But it just it works and it doesn't. You know, right. it's and, really silly. And Lou yeah. Ferrigno was because he was the when they had the Incredible Hulk TV show in the seventies. He played yeah. the Incredible Hulk, yes. and yeah. this was. This was after that show had been finished. It, the show was done that he was trying to kind of, you know, his buddy Arnold Schwarzenegger by this point ha, ha, had done Conan the Barbarian. And so this is Lou Ferrigno saying, OK, you're going to do Conan. I'll do Hercules. He just ended up doing Hercules. Uh, so so Arnold does it for Dino De, Laurent, Dino De Laurentiis, who's also, yes. we, we could do a whole list of, of his movies sometime. Wow, there, yes. So, but Conan the Barbarian clearly had a bigger budget and, uh, and maybe a tighter script than Hercules. Yes, a better movie. A better movie, yes. yes. Uh, yes. Hercules is, is not on my list. I did rewatch it about a month ago. <laughs> I took a lot of breaks when I was watching it. I was yeah. like, okay, I'm going to come back to this one. But I, and I feel, I really do feel for Lou Ferrigno because, you know, he's, he's been in constant competition with Arnold Schwarzenegger all through the seventies, through the Mr. Universe contest, through all of that. And so yeah. he sees Arnold kind of getting his big break. And he, he, he honestly believes that, uh, that he's going to have the same uh, career as Arnold. So, yeah, yeah, uh, you yeah, know, I, yeah. I kind of feel for him on that one. So. It's true. Yeah, no, but he, he has a lot of, uh, how do you say it? He, he's very sympathetic. Yes. He's a very sympathetic character, also as Hercules. But then they say, that this is the smartest man ever. <laughs> and then, But he just isn't, you know, in the movie he isn't. Oh. I don't know how he is in real life, of course, but this is, this is, uh, and it has the most incredible, 
incredibly incredible death scene uh, uh, in uh, in movie history. It's at the point near the end of the movie. Uh, Hercules is uh, going with his love interest to the place where the big final will be um, uh, will be going on. And before they can enter this big cave, the girl dies. But she lies in his arms. Yeah. <laughs> he's, she's saying a couple of words. <laughs> and she just dies. And she goes like this. Oh, she says something like, oh, Hercules, just uh, leave me and uh, do your thing. Something like that. And then it's, it's a bit quiet. And then she goes like this. Huh. And then she's dead. She just makes it. Huh. And oh, oh my God. What is this director doing at this sort? Yeah, it's good. Cut. That's please. a good pick. Oh, yeah. One more thing. Can I? Go, please. Say? Please. There, there's this big uh, fight with a bear, a big <laughs> grizzly bear. And he throws it off the earth. <laughs> into, it's incredible. But there are clips um, during this fight that are from the movie Grizzly. Yes. They used uh, fragments of the movie Grizzly during this fight scene. But Grizzly is not a Kevin movie. No. No. <laughs> so <laughs> do you know anything about it? Just Did they just use it? or? What? I th- I feel like I feel like not knowing the history of the, of the movie. I feel like it would it would have been one of those. Well, let's just do it, and if they say something, we'll take care of it then. <laughs> so, yes. so oh, that's good. That's a good pick. I like that. So that's that is your number nine. Nine. Yes. My yes. number nine. I was not sure if I was going to put this on the list because mm-hmm. I have watched every single one of the movies that are in this franchise and this franchise hasn't always been canon films didn't start out as canon films and it just recently a few weeks ago had a entry a movie that was released on netflix to terrible reviews i watched the movie it was one thing i can say about it it was 77 minutes long which is incredibly short for a, for a movie. But in the case of this particular film, I was happy with the runtime. This movie has been, I think the first one came out in 72 or 73, maybe 74, right around that area. This movie is actually directed by the same director who did the first film. And then he no longer did had any participation in any of the other movies. They did a third one. They did a Next Generation. Then Michael Bay's company, Platinum Dunes, Platinum Dunes, mm-hmm. which was famous for rebooting all kinds of horror movies in the in the two thousands in the two thousand tens, rebooted it to to pretty modest success. And I didn't like any of those movies. So when I sat down to watch the Texas Chainsaw Massacre two the other day. Because it was the it was the one that I remember seeing a long time ago, but I was not a fan of. I I, I respect the first one; it's not my thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And certainly, any of like Texas Chainsaw Massacre three, or, or excuse me, Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre three, Texas Chainsaw: The Next Generation that has a Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey in it. Then, of course, the new ones that Michael Bay put out. None of those movies ever; they never worked for me. Uh, it was just, and and people love them, and that's great. They just, it wasn't for me. But in the case of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, 
I just want to say one thing, okay? And I just wrote this down on my note here. So let me just pull this up one second here. I don't want to lose my spot here. Okay. I just want to say one thing. There is a scene in this movie where Dennis Hopper, who is one of my favorite actors of all time, has a chainsaw fight with Leatherface. And that right there is all you need to know. And that that right there is it is worthy of your time to get to that. What's interesting about this movie versus all of the other Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies is this movie is a very, very dark comedy. It is a yeah. it is what we call a black comedy. It is uh, very self-aware. It's incredibly bizarre. And it is almost a parody of the original movie. But it's self-aware because Toby Hooper directed the first one. He directed this one. It's kind of, to, to me, it's kind of like what Joe Dante did when he directed Gremlins and then directed Gremlins 2. Because the first Gremlins is just a very good movie. It's fun. It's scary. The second one is so self-aware and so silly that I think it is uh, people tend to overlook that movie. And I think Gremlins 2 is fantastic. And I have to tell you, after watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 not too long ago, it's certainly my favorite of those movies. And the opening scene in the movie, have you seen it? Yes, I've seen it. Yeah. The opening scene in that movie where you have the two rich kids in the Mercedes Benz, uh, (laughs) you know, tearing up the street, shooting at mailboxes and the introduction of Leatherface in that scene. First of all, uh, all practical how they shot that yeah. it's incre- yeah, incredible incredibly yeah. scary and just incredibly yeah. disturbing and i just said well if this is the type of movie we're in for sign me up i'm i'm yeah. i'm gonna go all through it and it's when the movie is over and spoiler alert for a movie that's more than 30 years old when the, mm-hmm. the girl is just doing the leather sort of the leather face dance with the chainsaw at the end it's just <laughs> yeah. i was like toby hooper knows exactly what he's doing with this film and uh it, it had to make my list so that's my yeah. that's my number nine. Awesome, yeah. I, I, it's it's not on my list, but I've I've watched it, and I really like it when a director does something like that. You expect another part one, yeah, to be to be really. It's a tough watch, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, it's, also, the remake. It's a very tough watch. Yeah, it's gruesome. And that's it's, not my thing. Uh, not my thing. It's no. I I, it's, I had a hard time with it also. Uh, but then to make something like this as a part two, I love it. Just do something completely different. Don't do what anyone expects you to do and then deliver something uh, that that is a classic. It's a classic. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, think, I loved it. I think it's uh, become very well regarded. And, and uh, I think yeah. a, lot of, a lot of people uh, – like I'm, I'm the same way as you. Like I – I can't do the gruesome horror, even though there is some, there's some pretty gross, gruesome things that happen in this one, but it's very, it's done for more comedic effect. And, yeah. and I'll admit to looking away a couple times, like, oh, oh, but, <laughs> but I saw the, was it 2003, the Texas Chainsaw reboot and in the yeah. theater. And I, I, I just wanted to leave. I'm like, yeah. it's just, it's, it's cruel. It's mean. Yeah. 
It's disturbing. There's no levity in it. And I think each one of those films just got worse and worse. And did you see the new one? Is it available on Netflix no, in, in the yeah, Netherlands? Yeah, yeah, it's available. Yeah, yeah. but I, I didn't watch it yet. Yeah. It's, I have some priorities with that, yeah. <laughs> with the movies, but it's not on my list for now. It's rough. <laughs> it's rough. So, okay. So yeah. that was my number nine. How about your yes. number eight? Yes, my number eight. It was uh, like, first it was Barfly with uh, Mickey Rourke and Faye Dunaway. And that's because I really love the, the Charles Bukowski books. I love, love the way he writes. And the movie is pretty good. But then I saw another movie. And then it, I thought, well, this is way more fun. And that's Enter the Ninja. Yes. <laughs> Enter the Ninja is my number eight. This is, it's a, this is one of those movies that it's, it's kind of silly, but it's also fun from the first minute to the last minute. You just keep on watching your eyes are, eyes are glued to the, to the screen, but also in amazement sometimes because it, it's about a a Texas ninja, (laughs) a, a white ninja who learned all the skills from actual ninjas and um, but the ninja is played by a, a, a white guy but he's also Italian is Franco Nero a big actor um, uh, with a big history and he just got a lot of money to do this but he he's an Italian so he cannot speak with a Texas accent, <laughs> so the best. they dubbed him. <laughs> they dubbed him. So it's it's Franco Nero with another voice. It's also very fun. So um, uh, and also the the great fight scenes, uh, silly bad guys, um, and he actually he he wasn't a martial arts artist at all. This uh, actor Franco Nero. So the fight scenes were a stunt double. But there were real fight scenes, and the end scene was actually filmed in a arena where uh, uh, fights were being held, um, and it, it it just has a great build up towards a big big grand finale that goes berserk. <laughs> and it's I really really liked uh, Enter the Ninja with uh, with the Enter the Ninja and Frank 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 Nero. Franco so, Nero. Franco Nero. So he uh, he make sure I understand. So so they didn't use his real voice, and that was never him in the ninja costume. That was <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love yeah. It. Um, yeah, yeah. Enter the. But he nin- has a good looks, you know. Oh, he does. Yeah, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes. Franco Nero. Yes, uh, and of course, somebody that's going to make an appearance a little later on 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 this list, the great Shokasugi. Is yes. is in this movie now? Enter the Ninja is part of the unofficial Canon Films Ninja trilogy, which of course is yes. Enter the Ninja, Revenge of the Ninja, and Ninja Three: The Domination, amongst <sighs> many <laughs> other ninja movies that Canon. See, that's the thing about Canon Films; they knew what sold. All right, yeah, action yeah. movies, martial art movies. You know, that's they they knew how to sell to audiences around the world because my friends and I, we were crazy about ninja movies. Yeah, so crazy that. about ninja movies. Yeah. So yeah. Um, 
anything else you want to mention about that? Oh, I, oh, I do want yeah. to say one thing. Oh, one thing. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, this movie was also very successful in America. It yeah. had a 1.5 million dollar budget, and it made 15 million dollars in the United States. That's big yeah. money for 1981. That's a yeah. that's a lot yeah. of money. Yeah, and I can imagine that, uh, especially young people will watch this movie over and over and over again because we didn't have Netflix No, that you can just watch a movie again. You have to go to the cinema once more to just visit it uh, or wait for the VHS to come out. And this movie is directed by Menachem Golan himself. Yes. So he does a pretty, pretty good job, actually. I will say this. Um, a couple more of his movies are going to appear uh, on, at least on my list. And uh, mm -hmm. he is... In fact, I will make a bold statement right now, Vincent. He should have directed probably more canon films. Yeah. Because yes. I think in some cases, in fact, there are two more of his for sure. I have to look at a couple of the directors. But there are two more movies on my list that were directed by him that I won't even say are competently directed. I think he is a, I think he's a good director. I think yeah. he he's very talented, and it's it's clear that he was a filmmaker prior to yeah. to starting Canon Films. So, um, yeah. as much as I'd I'd love to kind of have fun and say, oh, you know, and he has to direct the movies, he actually does a good job. He's a he good did. director. Yeah. So, yeah. and how about the movie poster? A lot of movie posters from the Canon movies are ah. insanely good. Well, they would sell. They would sell the movie yeah. based on the poster. I mean, it's perfect. Yeah. Why do they do the, don't they do that still? Because it's so much, it's so cool to see a great movie poster. Ah, okay. We're just getting old, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I, I need um, to start collecting those. <laughs> Hang on just a second. Yeah, but anything more? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, it has a great story. It's very, very simple. Yeah. Uh, it's this guy Cole, who is the American ninja. There's later on there will be an American ninja in the in the canon uh, film category. Uh, but he visits his, his buddy uh, who is still living um, in the Philippines, and they had a, have a war history together. And his buddy is being bullied by a bad guy about his estate. Uh, the bad guy wants his estate, and, it's, uh, and then uh, Cole, uh, the American ninja, is will protect his buddy. And of course, terrible things uh, <laughs> are happening, and uh, the bad guy really needs some good punishment, and that's what he will receive. <laughs> that's, so, that's so I'm going to keep the ninja thing going with my number right. with my number eight pick. Cool, cool. Um, yes. and you know, I'm American. All right. I, well, I'm, I'm Canadian and American, but I can say that I'm, I'm American. So I have to have a movie on here. That's, that's, that's for Americans. Of course. How could you not be any more American than having a movie called American Ninja, which is my okay. number eight on, on the list. Is it on your list? No, it's not. It's not. It's not. Okay. It's not. <laughs> so, um, yeah, with pain in my heart because it's <laughs> it's a great one. Yeah. I just wanted. Okay, so this stars Michael Dudikoff and and Steve James. Those are the two names that you need to know. Uh, they're they're going to do a lot more work for Canon, 
But um, Dudikoff was not the first choice to play the American Ninja. Um, by the way, let me just read this quick little plot synopsis here. And and I just, <laughs> I just want to say this. So, so it says, as an alternative to prison, young American Joe Armstrong. I, I can't think of a more American name than Joe Armstrong. So is is conscripted, conscripted into the U.S. Army by a judge. So I, I guess back in the day, back a long time ago, um, military was an option instead of prison. I don't know if that was ever the case in the Netherlands, but uh, I don't think it's a practice that they do now. But apparently back in the uh, late 70s and 80s, you could choose to join the military instead of going to prison. So um, it says uh, he was conscripted into the U.S. Army by a judge. Joe ends up fighting off the Black Star Order of Ninjas while stationed in the Philippines. He saves Patricia Hillcock, daughter of Colonel William Hillcock, Joe's commanding officer, from a kidnapping attempt. But because of the rest of Joe's platoon is wiped out by ninjas... Joe's popularity with fellow GIs takes a nosedive, even as he is targeted for revenge by Black Star Master Ninja. I'm not going to say anything more than that. I mean, <laughs> if you're not sold on on this movie by just hearing that, I don't know what to say. <laughs> um, Amer- American Ninja is it's an interesting choice because it's I mean, ninja movies up until this point. Because Revenge of the Ninja, Ninja 3, The Domination, uh, Enter the Ninja, several other, uh, a wonderful Shokasugi movie that is not part of the Canon Canon Films group, um, Pray for Death, has come out by this point. Uh, So this is Canon Films trying to create an American action hero, if you will. And I don't know, say what you will, if you're looking for a movie that's got a lot of ninjas, a lot of great martial arts, a great ending. I don't think you're going to do much worse than American Ninja. What are your thoughts on the movie? Yeah, it's 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 a really fun movie. I saw it uh, as a kid also on VHS. It, it's called American Warrior at some places also. Oh, interesting. Yeah, American Warrior maybe, but uh, yeah, it's 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 just fun. It's it's plain fun. Um, uh, it. it you want to be him. That's a bit. Yes. Uh, as a child, you would just want to be uh, Michael Dudikoff. You want, you want, you want to be this insanely uh, tough guy uh, who uh, goes through a lot of pain and hustle, but still ends up as the as the as the victor, the, the winner. It's it's the same formula that is, is used so many times, but it, in this movie, it's so well. Uh, how do you say it? Executed. Yes, absolutely. That it's yeah. That's it's. It just works. It just works, and it has a great movie poster. Yes, yes it does. <laughs> for, for the real American with Ex- a big American flag <laughs> behind it. <laughs> now, yeah. now, I remember. I was living in Canada when when I first saw this movie, and so, I think. I just assumed that the most badass ninjas came out of America. I, I just assumed, well, they must be the the American ninjas must be the best because they've they're getting yeah. their own movies now. <laughs> so, and he did like five more. I oh think. yes, absolutely. Yes. Uh, Dudikoff, he was listen. He was a good looking guy. He had a lot of on screen charisma. Uh, it's yeah. it's too bad that his career never went 
little further, you know, I think what they were trying to do is they were trying to get their next Chuck Norris. Because by that point, Chuck Norris was Chuck Norris, Charles Bronson. Those were the two canon film legends. And I think they were really trying to get Michael Dudikoff to be on that level. And they certainly yeah. tried. They did a lot of movies with Dudikoff. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. All right, so let's... Awesome. Yes. All right, so let's go look at your number seven. Yes. Yeah, my number seven. Again, it's a Dutch movie because, you know, I'm... And there was um, a movie in 1988. I thought it was 88. Yeah, 88. And um, it's a movie. It's called Honneponnetje. It's like, how do you say it? Uh, how will I translate it? Sweet little darling. <laughs> it's about, uh, it's it's a really silly, stupid movie, actually. But it's so much fun, and it made lots of money in Holland. How do you it spell it? H-O-N-N-E-P-O-N-N-E-T-E. J, okay. E. I found it. Here we yeah. go. Yes, it's it's called it's a, a movie from Dutch director Ruud van Hemert, and he was a very uh, extravagant director. Also, he made uh, great uh, Dutch movies, and uh, he became a theater director also and gave theater workshops in the nineties and early two thousands. He had some very successful movies in the eighties, and this was one of them, but. Uh, very bad reviews, but the main actress, the lead, Nada Fani, I was in love with her. I was like 12, you know, and this movie is about a girl who escaped from, who escaped from a convent. She's a nun, but she wants to discover more of her body, you know, <laughs> more of, <laughs> of her sexuality. And she flees the convent and she goes into the city and she is like a very naive girl, and there's a lot of sharks in the big city. So she and uh, she gets to uh, be a friend with uh, a very very sweet guy who protects her. But the nuns from the convent, they want to get her back. So <laughs> they also travel to the city, and they try to get uh, the honoponature. They try to get her back into the convent. So a lot of slapstick, a lot of silliness. Um, but you know, I, I loved this movie as a kid. I've seen it maybe five or six times in the theater, just because I was in love with this girl, of course, but also with uh, because of the movie. Uh, you can you can find it on YouTube, but not with uh, uh, English subtitles. Interesting. Uh, but it's a very very fun movie, very stereotypical at some points that you can still do in the eighties, but. Some things that you see in this movie, they cannot make it. Right. No, I understand. It's That's like an like an Arab guy who, who robs a bank. <laughs> like those kinds of things, you cannot do it anymore. But at, in these in those days, you can you can still get away with that. It's uh, but it's, it has yeah, it's, yeah. It's fascinating because you know I have this list. <clears throat> I have this list of of movies yes that, uh you know more than a hundred movies you know yeah uh from yeah. canon 
but it doesn't have this movie on here and it didn't have the assault on here. And I'm just learning in real time that they did so many other movies besides ones that were released in America. You know, yeah. that's really, yeah. that's really fascinating. In fact, you're, 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 I'm going to be doing a lot more research on this when it, when I'm done, because I'm, I want to kind of have that definitive list of movies, but you've added another one for me yes. to watch. So I'm going to have to yeah, find a, a version with, with subtitles on it. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I think it's, it will be a very hard to find, but it's, it, sh it should be possible. One very fun thing about this movie, there's this uh, a filmmaker who discovers the girl, discovers because he just wants to go to bed with her, of course, <laughs> but he discovers her and he is called Apollo Romansky, <laughs> which of course <laughs> is referring to Roman Polanski, Apollo who also Romansky. likes young girls. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Apollo Ro it's very cheesy Apollo <laughs> in a way. Romansky. <laughs> that's funny i'm gonna look i'm gonna def, i'm definitely gonna look for that i i really yeah. am that's awesome there is there is this this question i see now on imdb by what name was honoponage officially released in canada in english let's see what the answer is there is no answer no, <laughs> no i cannot find the the english title very interesting so, yeah all right. Excellent. All right. So my number seven, keeping things in America for some reason, I'll tell you, they uh, yeah. they, they knew how to uh, uh, really pander to the American audiences with their titles. And, and if this title didn't grab your attention, I don't think any movie title will ever grab your attention. <laughs> and that is Invasion USA. Oh, yeah. How... How does somebody invade the USA? And of course, this movie is riding the coattails of the 1984 movie Red Dawn, which mm -hmm. I think was arguably might be a better movie than Invasion USA. But I don't care, Vincent. I no, don't. I don't, don't care. I don't care. <laughs> because welcome to the Dana Buckler show, Chuck Norris, for the first time. Yes. I very rarely yes. do I ever talk about Chuck Norris movies on this show. And this will not be the last Chuck Norris film to t I'll be discussing on this particular show. Uh, yeah, there will be more. <laughs> uh, the basic plot of this movie is Chuck Norris is retired special forces living in Florida, basically running an airboat business, which I'll tell you this, Vincent, when you finally do make it to Florida, take a ride on an airboat. It's life changing. <laughs> It, it, it could possibly be life changing. Make sure you 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 uh, you find an airboat that's been in service for for you know twenty thirty years. So, okay. uh, but um, it's a you know it's a group of terrorists. They start wreaking havoc first in Florida and then all over different parts of America. And it's up to Chuck Norris to basically save the day. This movie really has some what I'll call holy shit moments in it. It it really does have some spectacular things that happen. One of the movies, this movie traumatized me. There is a scene in the film where it's Christmas Eve in a standard American suburb. And it's all these homes and everyone's got Christmas lights up and there's Christmas carolers. And our main bad guy, who's not just ordering the people what to do, he's actually out there participating they take rocket launchers and they start blowing up family homes. Now, 
Remember when we talked about how Marvel yeah. Marvel can do whatever they want because they have the CGI technology to do this? Yeah. The producers of Invasion USA found out that there was a some houses that were set to be destroyed because there was some like uh, highways being built and and the the so they got permission to really do this. So when you see them blow up these houses with rocket launchers, those were yeah. real homes that they were blowing up. What's what's great about this movie? I'm on top of so many other things. Is Chuck Chuck Norris is so great in this movie. He he starts having um, the one liners, the puns, where he'd be like, "Forget this, didn't work, did it? Now I just now it will." I just, I just <laughs> um, has a great villain. He is uh, this actor. Uh, he is very he's very scary, and I have his name. Hold on a second here. Yeah, Richard Lynch. Richard Lynch. That's it. Yeah, Ooh. I wanted to talk about him. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. so it, let me ask you this, Vincent: Is Invasion USA on your list? No, it's not on my list because I had to make choices. But it, I was considering it, but I picked some other okay. titles. But I really, really enjoyed this. Okay, it's awesome. Okay, Richard Lynch is a great bad guy. He is, yeah. he is he is really yeah. really good in this one, and yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, no, he passed away in 2012 at the age of 72. But uh, great great character actor, and had a really, I mean, his filmography. He he started in 1973 and worked all the way till you know the year that he passed away. He was in uh, the Lords of Salem, a Rob Zombie movie. Oh, yeah. for, for goodness yeah. sakes! So he was he was a working actor his whole career, but. Uh, for me, he'll always be remembered for for this role. So yeah, and he's a very, he's a very scary face. Yes, that he uh, has. It's it's incredible. But there's one movie he is in also. He's a bad guy, of course. Also a canon movie. It doesn't. It hasn't made my list, but I just have to mention it because if you haven't seen this one, please do. <laughs> it's called The Barbarians. Oh yeah, <laughs> He's with the barbarian brothers, yes. twin brothers who look like Conan, and they just have a Conan-like adventure. Oh. But there's this, Richard Lynch is in there. He's the only good thing in this movie. <laughs> it's all, it's so incredibly silly. But there's one scene in this movie, and they have to fight a dragon in a swamp. And you think, okay, this should be like a really horrible scary monster but then when he comes out of the swamp this dragon you look like what is this it's like a very friendly face <laughs> that he has and it's 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 like a like he looks a bit like the snail in never ending story <laughs> but then bigger but it's, oh this movie is so much fun oh, the barbarians but we were talking about invasion usa but yeah Chuck Norris, I saw a, a very nice, uh, 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 funny uh, picture with uh, two pictures in one frame. And one of them was Chuck Norris on the phone saying, stop, just stop. And the other one is Putin with on the phone who says, okay. <laughs> like, it's, we just need Chuck Norris. <laughs> you know, but yeah. That's fun. Great movie. Yeah. No, yeah. a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Um, all right. So that was my number seven. Your number six. And by the way, yes, my, I'm sorry, before yeah. before you do that, yeah. no yeah. crossover yet. 
I, no. I thought by no. I thought we would have had okay, but this is interesting. This is good. Yes, that means yes. more movies are getting discussed. So that's good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, great. How about this one? Okay. My number six. Well, we talked about uh, you. You just just said it about Marvel. Uh, they can do anything because they have all these CGI techniques. And a couple of weeks ago, I was uh, visiting the cinema. We we went uh, to uh, Death on the Nile. Yes. I'm not a great fan of Gal Gadot uh, uh, with her acting style. I'm sorry, because I, I'm not a great fan. She's, she's beautiful, but um, but what disturbed me the most, it, it was all CGI. It was Egypt, but it was CGI. And I didn't have that feeling like I was there. I was like, yeah, all right. It's, it's, it's fun. It's, it's a fun movie. It's a really nice, uh, whole kind of movie and that's a good thing because you are invested you want to know the the ending uh, the conclusion but it didn't have like the indiana jones kind of feeling right. like you're there actual actual locations uh, so after that movie the same night i watched uh uh, King Solomon's Mines <laughs> yeah. from 1985 with Richard Chamberlain. And I had so much fun with this movie. And I thought, this is what I want to see. Not a CGI boat in a CGI Egypt. I want to feel the real thing. Also, when it is silly like this movie, like a fake Indiana Jones kind of movie, uh, it's a classic story, of course, King Solomon's Mines. But it's portrayed as a Indiana Jones kind of movie. But it's my number six, King Solomon's Minds, um, because it, it's fun. It's, uh, it's really fun. It, it's, it's, in, it's the canon Indiana Jones movie. It, That's what it is. It's, it's not on my list, but I will say that I saw the sequel uh, Alan Quartermite and the Lost City of Gold before I saw this film. Did this ever happen in the Netherlands? Was there ever... Okay, so in in Amer at least in Canada, you had video stores. You had video mm -hmm. rental stores, places you could rent yeah. videos. Uh, famously yeah. in America, there was Blockbuster Video. That was a very famous one. Yeah. But there was also yeah. a lot of independent video stores, uh, as we call them, mom and pop video stores. Uh, in in, in yeah, America, yeah. but even more than that, there was. Um, does the term convenience store does that does does that make a make sense? Convenience store. It's like a it's like a gas station that you go in and you can buy everything yeah. from a gallon of milk to bread to cereal to yeah. yeah. So there was yeah, there was a, there was a convenience store uh, right down the road from my house in Canada. And it was not uncommon, especially in the mid '80s, for these convenience stores to also have some movies to rent. But they'd oh. have very small selection, a very small selection. Maybe they'd have like a little wall, maybe forty titles. Mm -hmm. And you know that would be the video store that my dad would take me to more than the big video store because it was very close to our house. So I was often limited by what I could rent because most of the titles were already rented for that night. Uh -huh. um, 
And I remember specifically Alan Cordemite and The Lost City of Gold being one of those movies that I was actually there. And I was like, well, this looks like a lot of fun. So I actually watched that one first and uh-huh. then eventually went back and watched King Solomon's Mind. And look, make no mistake about it. These are very much inspired by the Indiana Jones movies, very much. <laughs> yes. But they're, yes. they are their own thing. And I love the fact that, you know, they're going for it. Like, they're not afraid. Like, they don't have the budgets. They clearly don't have Steven Spielberg behind the camera. But they're still making the movies. And and let, let's, let, let's not forget, a very young, very young Sharon Stone is in yes. both of these movies. Yes. And it wasn't really Sharon Stone uh, that producers wanted. No. He said something like, I want that Stone woman. And they hired Sharon Stone, but he wanted Kathleen Turner from Romancing the yes. Stone. <laughs> yeah, that's a really fun story. And she was very hard to work with, so I heard. Yeah, yeah. From what I understand, that's still the case to this day. Oh, okay, okay. So I'd be curious to see. Well, him and... Um, uh, our friend Paul Verhoeven, he, yeah. he he had some challenges working with her on Basic Instinct, you know. Mm. So um, yeah. but I think one of the more famous situations is um, she was not made aware of the infamous scene in that movie until she was at the world premiere, sitting next to Verhoeven in the movie theater. <laughs> so. So that that was kind of his. Uh, that might have been his way of say, of just saying, you know what, you were so difficult to work with. No, I'm kidding. I, I'm not saying yeah. that. But but, but, um, but it made her more famous. It in made that particular her scene. a yeah. massive movie star. Yeah. A massive yeah. movie star. So yeah, I like King Solomon's Mines uh, and Alan Quartermite. Some of the uh, some of the special effects, like you said, are not great, but they're fun. And, yeah, and that's that's, that's the best way. I think that's the best way to describe that. Yeah. And it has a great soundtrack. Oh, I have to say yes. that. Yeah, yes. yeah, it's, it's a great soundtrack. And Richard Chamberlain is fun. He is not Harrison Ford, but what do you say? It's his own thing. Yes, and the movie. It's, it's 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 awesome. He looks the fun. he looks the part. I think yes. he looks the part. You lost your edge. You're the loser, punk. Try me. Combat. Attention, you have just entered a battle zone. It's time for us to find out who's really the best with the freshest crew. No time for words, we're through with that. All there 